Hi, I'm co-host Lois Donkla, and this is the 100 Alumni Voices podcast, Stories That Inspire, where we'll explore the personal and professional journeys of a diverse group of 100 doctoral alumni from Johns Hopkins University. Today, we're joined by Aaron Villarreal, PhD in Near Eastern Studies and current senior analyst at the U.S. Government Accountability Office, or GAO. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Hey, so how are you today? Doing pretty well. Happy to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me uh, yeah, to share well, my story. Yeah, we're excited to have you, and I'm excited to dive in. So I first want to start by um learning just a little bit more about you uh kind of about your graduate work that you did at Hopkins what made you want to pursue a PhD more specifically in Near Eastern Studies and um things like that sure so I uh studied uh in Near Eastern Studies and my specialty I guess was uh Northwest Semitic philology and Hebrew Bible so pretty niche um and in terms of what why I wanted to pursue a PhD. So I graduated from University of Chicago in 2009, actually in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations. And at the time, I just knew I really liked languages. I really liked Hebrew. I liked ancient languages. And I wanted to kind of see where that took me. It was also the, the height of the recession. And mm -hmm. so I was trying to just weigh my options. And at the time, I really thought, hey, Hopkins has a great opportunity for me. They're going to pay me a stipend. Um, let's see where this takes us. So pretty much uh, my story with regard to how it all started. Yeah, that's, it's always interesting to hear people's origin story. So I'll be fully transparent that your area of work is completely different from my area of work. So I do health policy and management work. So literally everything you say is a new language for me. And I guess it's good because you have a really uh, fast fascination with languages. And um, yeah, it's cool to kind of hear what made you kind of directed you towards doing a PhD. And it was kind of environmental things that really led you to it. Yeah. So I'm curious if um, kind of you had any particular thoughts at like when you entered, of course, it was it was consistent with how you'd been thinking about your um, interests in general. But while you were doing the Ph.D., were there any particular career plans that really stuck out to you? Yeah. So I, because I went from undergrad to Ph.D., um, my focus especially early in my PhD career was tenure track. I really thought that this was something that I want to pursue. And it was interesting because I went into the PhD at Hopkins with no illusions about the job market and how competitive it was. And so a lot of folks um, who I knew graduated in these different programs that, that I was looking at 
took a while for them to even, you know, get a tenure track position. And so I kind of knew that going into it. I wasn't quite sure how I would get there or what was going to happen, but I was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, let's just see. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that sort of evolved as my, um, you know, PhD evolved as well. Like as I moved through graduate school, I was sort of weighing the different options and, I think becoming a little bit more flexible in terms of what career trajectories could open up for me. Mm -hmm. It's, I love that you mentioned kind of, even though you had your, you had a, in your head, you were thinking, all right, tenure track is the direction I want to go. And it felt pretty clear at the time. You mentioned how you kept that flexibility, knowing that there were so many elements you actually in time realized, oh, I actually didn't know this would have been a challenge for me or um, some other type of thing. So it's, it's, I'm actually, I'm curious about if there were things or moments that made you pivot in terms, like specific things that made you really pivot the direction that you wanted to go in and why they stick out to you. So I, um, I think in terms of a pivot, I think what was really influential to me was Hopkins actually started inviting speakers Mm -hmm. um, during a series. This was a while ago, um, Mm -hmm. Humanities at Work. And it it was sort of questioning, you know, and and provoking uh, discussion about what what is humanities outside of the academy, right? And so they brought in public historians. And so that kind of got me thinking about the value of my perspective, my work. Um, and it's not, again, it's, it's not the direct applicability of my research, right? It's more about the skills that I acquired through the course of my training and the different like adjunct jobs I had through different universities, those types of efforts, like what, what sort of, um, universe of opportunities could open to me. And I will say I wasn't flexible. Like in the first three Mm -hmm. or four years of my PhD, I was very dead set on this one trajectory because not many people were talking about anything else. And so, um, during, you know, around 2015, 2016, people started talking about alternative academic careers and that was sort of when I realized, hey, like I have kind of thought about something else besides the academy, um, besides studying Northwest Semitic philology for the rest of my life, which granted I'm very passionate about and mm-hmm. I love. I published my my dissertation as a book. So, you know, but oh. I do feel like I was I was sort of like that chap, maybe that chapter would close, you know, maybe I could do something else. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I think it's important. Flexibility is it doesn't feel like it when you're in it and in a graduate program. But I think having it at least in the back of your mind is important. Yeah, that's um, so one. Congratulations on writing a book for your dissertation. That's really cool. Um, I'm in the moment of deciding how I'll do my dissertation. So very inspiring. But then also. I love how you kind of highlight the value of having exposure, right? Because that seminar series with the public historians really, it started opening your eyes to different opportunities. And then the series at Hopkins where they really just were, well, that was the series, but also just learning about different opportunities and ways that you could exercise your skills, I think is really important, but it can 
doing a PhD can certainly be such a myopic moment where you're like, okay, aim one, I have to do this today mm -hmm. and that tomorrow. And it's really tricky to zoom out and kind of think about how it all fits in. And even seeing examples of people in the field is so helpful. Yes, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious about um, kind of what you do now and the trajectory that's kind of from when you finished at Hopkins to the work that you're doing now, if it was your first role or how it's different from your first role and things like that. So um, when I, I was thinking about the public historian path, I also came across mm -hmm. federal jobs and okay. um, historian jobs are rare outside of, you know, uh, just as, as competitive as it is in academia, it is competitive in, in the federal world as well. Mm. So um, I was trying to think about ways where a generalist position might suit me. Uh, and so I ended up interning while I was a graduate student. It was my last year of my PhD at the Government Accountability Office, and I was placed into International Affairs and Trade group and looking at humanitarian um, issues, specifically banking access issues. Um, and so that sort of opened up a whole new world to me. Uh, I was like, I am not qualified to look at this. But, you know, the thing is that I was on a team. It wasn't just me. And that was sort of the, the light bulb moment for me is that I don't have to work in isolation. And I know different academic and PhD paths you know, sometimes you're on a team, sometimes you're just working in the basement of the library by yourself the entire time. Um, but it was great to have all these to work with an economist, to work with a methodologist and a social scientist, um, to work with an accountant too. And we were all part of this team working to understand this, this banking access issue during a humanitarian crisis in Syria. And it was just, it was something that I really opened my eyes. So I was offered a permanent um, job there once I graduated. And so I ended up taking on an analyst position there, rotated through a few teams as part of their entry-level program and ended up being placed in physical infrastructure where I currently look at physical infrastructure policies. So I've been on a job looking at uh, policy related to hazardous liquid pipelines, to contact tracing for aviation, to commercial space licensing, which is what I'm doing right now. So that's pretty much sort of where I'm at. And what we look at is just the policy. So it has quantitative and qualitative aspects to it. And mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, our client is Congress. And so we respond to requests from uh, our congressional clients about different topics. Um, so to inform policy, which is pretty cool. That is, that's really neat. Um, it, it's, it's really neat, especially because it's, I love learning about things that are just so different from what I'm thinking about in my everyday mm -hmm. life, where it's like, wow, there's this whole other part of the world and other part of kind of professional spaces that are equally important to what I'm doing, but it's completely different. So I'm grateful for all of your thinking and all of the things that have kind of inspired you to get to this moment. Um, I think something that I, that really stuck out to me, you mentioned how 
you got to this place by starting an internship in your last year. And I'm curious how, so it's great and it's cool that you mentioned how you realized, oh, wow, wait, I love working in a team and learning from, similar to how I'm excited that your work is so different. You kind of had a moment like that where you experienced that in your internship. But I'm curious what things maybe would have been challenging or what thoughts you had when you were even considering doing an internship at the end of your PhD? I think um, it's the tug and pull of maybe the people around you. So, you know, people who might be your advisor, Mm -hmm. um, your, your colleagues, they may not, especially when you're dealing with a field as niche as mine, mm-hmm. um, it's a little rare, right? Suddenly pivot into government um, and especially public policy um, to trade in, you know, reading uh, ancient, you know, languages and scripts and tablets to mm-hmm. looking at like pivot tables in Excel. So I think, you know, it was challenging for me to kind of, um you know, assert myself in that environment. But it ultimately, I had a really uh, supportive advisor who, although may not have understood, right, my decision, he supported it. And I think that was the key. So I would say that that was the biggest challenge. And then also understanding your role in this new capacity. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much doing like the same stuff, like in terms of the thinking part. And so it it made me realize, hey, like, I thought this stuff was going to be a lot harder. I thought, you know, not that it was easy, right? But it was like I was still using sort of the same muscles in my brain and like just doing the same sorts of things, except I wasn't, you know, I was limiting my work to eight hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really freeing in itself. So mm-hmm. I'd say that that transition was good for me, work-life yeah. balance-wise. Mm-hmm. It helped you really. Right. It helped you contextualize the work that you were doing before, but then it also, there was this really attractive alternative and it, that alternative seemed to win. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. and yeah, continue, please. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was going to say like the, the thing I, that's also a challenge is there's a rhetoric, I think, and I don't know how it is with other fields, but in humanities, um, especially that office work is is sort of like office space, you know, the movie, mm-hmm. you just sort of do go in and go out, you're just a drone. <laughs> and I heard that a lot, you know, when it was transitioning over. And I have to say, I've tracked my steps and my steps are a lot, were just way more when I was working in DC than <laughs> when I was, you know, adjuncting and doing research and trying to finish up the, you know, uh, you know, stuff. So I actually think like I was, I am more active now than I would have been otherwise. So, and I, you know, going on site visits, like I got to go, for example, to NASA's um, Kennedy Space Center and like, look at the crawler transporter. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. Like you got, I got to see um, you know, how the Artemis mission was going to be carried out, like all the different parts to it. So I don't know, that's that I just want to disavow anyone of that perception. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the movie Office Space. And I also probably will be thinking about staplers for the rest of the evening. So (laughs) thank you so much. (laughs) Um, 
So I, I'm glad that you kind of dispelled that one myth about being in an office means you're just sitting there a lot of the time, but I'm curious kind of what are other kind of myths about working in your professional fee or your per, um, particular field that it's a myth and people are really wrong about that someone wouldn't know looking on the outside. Um, so I'm technically a senior analyst, right? But what I do is I do audit work. And when you think of auditor, you think of um, accounting, things like that. And while I do, I have been on jobs where I've looked at like financial information, there's also a lot of interesting, um, not that that stuff isn't interesting, but there's also an aspect to it that is qualitative um, and evaluative. So looking at how policies are taken out, what does an agency say they're like what is an agency supposed to do and then what do they say they do and what are they actually doing right and so that's kind of cool i thought you know probably before i made my transition i thought oh this is going to be so boring and i can't imagine being you know it would stimulate me intellectually in the same way that uh you know philology or language translation would and i would have to say that it it scratches the same itch for me when i'm starting a job and i'm trying to figure out the core issues of a particular audit so that's one thing that i think that is a misconception and it goes back to kind of the office space trope but i have to say like that's probably one of the big ones for auditors um to deal with hmm. that's actually i love that you you're getting at how like it it's not even looking for a job as a PhD student or thinking about what type of job you want isn't even just going okay I like this topic I want this topic or these are the skills that I have but it's like what what like gives you an exciting fire inside when you're doing mm -hmm. it and where can you experience that similarly and sometimes it's really technical things like what you're saying like when you're sitting down and about to do the thing, it's similar to how you were looking at different languages and philology and things like that. So it's, that's really neat. And it's cool that that's not something I'd thought about, but it's, it's helpful even for me as I start to think about what directions I would want to be in and really what my non-negotiables are for roles and things like that. So that's helpful. Yeah. And what your core values are and how they align to that position or just to the career field, I think is an important question that I didn't start asking myself until midway through, if not more of my PhD work. So it's just something to consider. Mm, I actually want to, so I want to dig into that more. And I'm someone that loves thinking about core values and all of that, but I'm curious how, uh, I guess when you came to even thinking about your core values and started thinking about maybe your identity and the role that you saw yourself in in that moment as a student and then what you saw yourself for future you, how that really influenced a lot of your thinking and the choices that you made. No, that's a that's a really good question. That's a really hard question too. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I think I was in survival mode, right? During graduate school, just trying to figure out uh, what my dissertation was going to look like. And I think, you know, I give, I gave myself a disservice because I really should have pushed pause and really thought about where I was at in my headspace with regards to my values, because now looking back on it, I think to myself, I probably would not have 
been happy um, pursuing a tenure track job. Um, you know, I really, not to say that professors don't have work-life balance, but I really do need structure. Mm -hmm. I need real structure in my work day um, because I tend to hyper-focus. And, um, you know, I like the fact that working for the federal government means that I can only work a certain amount of hours per week per pay period. Mm -hmm. And work-life balance um, is achievable in this particular field. And I just, that's what is one of my core values is making sure that my work, you know, yes, is intellectually stimulating and I work with great people and I work on a team. Teams, you know, especially collaborative environments is one of my big musts Mm -hmm. um, in terms of a career field. But also like um, having a home life, being able to kind of have hobbies and just kind of expand on that read for fun. Mm -hmm. I think that was sort of what I needed as a, I developed that idea of myself as a graduate student. And currently, I think, you know, I always pause. I put a pause when, you know, every couple, every, every quarter. So I'm like, do my core values align with my agency, the government Mm -hmm. accountability's values? And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, they have these like values that they have. And one of them is, is called people values. And what that means is that, you know, you value and you respect, um, and the people that you work with and, a lot of that has to do with diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I love the fact that my agency articulates that as part of their strategic plan, like as part of sort of their, their reason for being, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'd say that that is like a big part of why I stay at my agency is because, um, you know, they recognize that as a, as a core tenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, it's it's so important to remember what your priorities are and think about how that's driving driving you. But then it also helps you really notice what things you need for you to continue to show up in the best way for yourself. So it's yeah, it's so important and it's it's something that we need to continue to think about when it's about narrowing in what type of job you'll be doing because you'll be spending so much time there. And it's mm-hmm. so important to just make sure you'll be at peace, but then you also are just not feeling so stressed out by something that was supposed to be enriching. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you have any other advice that you would be giving someone um, who's interested in your career field, or even maybe really great advice that you received for yourself. Well, um, I would say that in terms of advice, like actions that people can take, Mm -hmm. look at the alumni that are, that have graduated in your program and who have careers that you may be interested in. Um, If you want to pursue, whether that's like, you know, tenure track position or somebody who works for for a think tank or somebody who's in federal service or or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think like, don't undervalue the informational interview and just sort of talk to them and see like, well, what, you know, how did you come to this position? What can I do to better prepare myself for that position? Um, I think that's really helpful and building that community with them and that network with them, I think 
is is key especially mm -hmm. so that's great advice to yeah to do some a little digging um so i have one more question for you and i'm curious what inspires you right now what inspires me um so it professionally i guess i guess i can stick to professionally it can be sort of professionally <laughs> it can be personally really yeah i i love all the responses <laughs> um so what has been inspiring me recently is um at work one of the things that really energizes me is looking at how infrastructure policy um intersects with uh, racial, cultural, social concerns, and understanding how, you know, these policies can bridge disparate impacts, or, you know, they can cause those dis mm -hmm. disparities, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we've been doing is we've been inviting speakers in um, to the agency to talk about this. So we had one talk about how uh, the path towards equity through real properties. So, you know, through federal buildings, like what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good neighbor in a community if you are a federal entity that owns a building, right? Um, other things are like transportation and transit and how that impacts along the racial divide, right? And so I, um, I really enjoy bringing these outside speakers to come in and talk, to talk about these different issues. So I kind of love the fact that I'm still like invite, like I still have talk, I'm talking to academics in my work context and yeah. like understanding their work. And um, so that's one thing that I find really um, that fulfilling and energizes me is thinking about that and thinking about ways to bring these different perspectives to bear in our work so yeah i love that i mean there's always life is a great opportunity to learn all the time always and learning from each other is one way to do that so i i always feel so enriched from a speaker coming so i'm glad that you can continue to do that even in a non-academic setting so i love that well i want to thank you so much aaron for joining us today and sharing a bit about kind of your career journey, what got you there, your time at Hopkins, and really a bit about your time and what you're doing now. So thank you so much. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Thank you.